0: Welcome to the Two Degrees Hotter podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie.
1: And we're two recent college graduates navigating young adult life in Boston, documenting it for you along the way.
0: From college advice to post-grad problems, we're here to open the conversation of what it's like to be a 20-something, just figuring it out.
1: We're excited you're tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you like to listen. And we hope you enjoy this podcast.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. Yes, another day, another episode. It's just the grind these days. Today, we wanted to talk about some of our college mistakes. So I think it's important to say right off the bat that I feel like neither of us are like regretful people. Is that a yeah. word?
1: Yeah. No, I, I don't think either of us we live with no regrets, you know? Yeah, everything's uh, a lesson. Yeah, and I don't think... And none of these are super, like, detrimental mistakes at all. Right. Um, They didn't, like, make or break our experience. But I think in hindsight, um, we want to talk about some things that we just learned throughout our college experience that might be helpful to pass along if you are entering into college or, you know, in still in college right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let's get into our segments. Yes. So I have had a somewhat emo- emotionally tumultuous week, <laughs> I would say. Week. Um, so first of all, my mom had a pretty serious medical accident a couple days ago. Um, so whatever your method of like sending good vibes, whether you pray or just like talk to the universe or whatnot, um, I would appreciate sending those over because, um, she will have another surgery in a couple days. And, you know, by the time this comes out, I'm sure things will have developed a lot more and hopefully be better. But right now, um, she needs a lot of help to do like daily things. So just send her good energy. Hopefully she's listening to this in a couple weeks and feeling better than she is right now um but yeah just good vibes for her would be appreciated um but on a lighter note a couple days ago (laughs) another emotionally traumatizing (laughs) experience was that um my dog got sprayed by a skunk in our backyard and my poor father having not a ton of experience in the arena my dog is like 13 and he managed to Mm -hmm. only get sprayed by a skunk for the first time in his life like recently
1: that's an accomplishment
0: yeah, Honestly. I guess that's pretty impressive. I have a beagle <laughs> named Oscar. Great guy. I think great he was just guy. trying to make friends. <laughs> didn't really work out. Um, but yeah, so my father being, you know, the kind, gentle man that he is, said, come on in, Oscar. Like, we'll deal with this in the morning. And lo and behold, I'm like, why would you let this stinky dog back in the house? <laughs> like, we had to give him a bath with, okay, pro tip, I guess, if you have a skunk issue. Um, we used, um, hydrogen peroxide, baking soda, and laundry detergent, or dishwasher detergent, and it did the trick. He wasn't, he wasn't stinky after that. I posted a TikTok, um, about it, so if you want to check it out. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was really a time, but we're just trying to make the best of it over here.
1: (laughs) 2020 is really, really giving you a run for your money, I feel. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah 2020 is testing us out here like if corona wasn't enough now we have all this going on so yep and send you guys all of
1: my good vibes every last one of them thank um, you and for oscar as well a-, a dabbling for oscar so that he doesn't get sprayed by his skunk <laughs> again mine are much lighter than anya's <laughs> um but anyone who is into the makeup side of youtube the beauty guru side of youtube some may say is probably familiar i don't know if by the time this episode comes out this is going to be old news but i want to talk about it anyways so jeffrey star who is kind of a controversial figure in and of himself he released a palette called cremated or a collection called cremated and he like describes it as like gothic nudes so they're essentially like very cool toned nudes with like a lot Mm -hmm. of grays and blacks and things like that and the collection is called cremated now anyone myself included who watched the shane dawson series where shane dawson made a makeup line with jeffree star's makeup company jeffree star cosmetics knows that makeup production takes like months they probably started planning this palette the cremated collection in like late august or early september so that was obviously before coronavirus and the pandemic hit but it just so happens that the timing of the release was during the pandemic and some people took a little bit of offense to the collection being called cremated and being like centered around death
0: which i think is
1: really understandable like i that i honestly thought of that too i thought oh wow like it's kind of ironic that a collection like this is coming out during all of this time but I guess in the back of my mind knowing at least jeffree star cosmetics like production process like I immediately was like well he definitely came up with this idea months and months in advance and would ha- couldn't have predicted that this would be the situation that we're in um so yeah so I've I've been following it relatively closely you know his jeffrey stars argument was that he isn't planning just one launch at a time like once one launch starts going then the next one comes and the next one comes so it's not like he can very easily like push back the release date of a makeup launch and also when you do that you run the risk once stuff starts going into production and i think it's very possible that it went into production even before coronavirus once you start making the makeup now you run the risk of it expiring if you let it sit for too long before mm-hmm. selling it so i can see like on his end why he would keep the original release date maybe he should have you know released it with a disclaimer of you know hey i'm not trying to be disrespectful be morbid, yeah. or anything like that but i don't know i found it really interesting the palette i think is actually very pretty um it reminds me a lot of like when Urban Decay came out with their Naked Smoky palette. Mm. Like, it's those vibes, but a lot more colors. And I thought it was very pretty. But, yeah, I just – I found that very interesting. I liked following it.
0: I love a good little – A little PR scare. A little controversy, (laughs) you know? Um, Cool-toned palettes for me are, like, so not the move. I feel like I've talked to you about this before. You have. Because you have blue eyes. Yeah, if you – I feel like I have blue eyes and I have really, like, pale – skin yeah. and I just feel like when I use cool toned makeup, it's like instant zombie appearance. <laughs> and it took me like the longest time to realize that like coppers and warm tones were like it for my eye color. And I feel like I used cool tone, like cool tone browns even like through high school. And I look back at pictures and I'm like, why do I look sickly? And then I'm like, oh yeah, it's because I was using like silver eyeshadow. So what can we do? Um
1: honestly I don't even know. I don't know if
0: cool tones look good on me. Like, if you look at the complementary color wheel or whatever, Uh like, blue and orange are opposite. So I should theoretically wear, like, coppers and oranges and, like, warm tones. I think green and purple are opposite. So, like, green-eyed people should do, like, smoky eyes. I'm not sure about brown. Green eye makeup color wheel. Let's see. Brown looks like you should be wearing... Oh, it's enhanced by blue. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> Here I am with my neutrals. I should throw those in the garbage.
0: Yeah, I guess you've really been missing out on the, the best way to enhance I know. The brown eyes.
1: I mean, I pride myself on having what I call color changing eyes, but by that I mean I just have hazel eyes and sometimes they look more brown and sometimes they look more green, depending on what makeup I use and how dry my eyes are from my contacts. But <laughs> that's good to know. So I should experiment with a little color. Oh, wild like and crazy. a blue
0: liner, you know, something yeah, subtle. Yeah,
1: that'd be fun. Okay. I'm taking that as my sign to branch out from my makeup routine because, well, my quarantine makeup routine has been exactly zero makeup, but I'll step out with some blue eyeliner when the time comes. <laughs> um, and then just for a quick little, you know, life update, my mom's birthday was this past Saturday. And when we're filming this, it's Memorial Day weekend. So Filming, jeez. Recording. <laughs> um, when we're recording this, it is Memorial Day weekend. So my I have an older brother and a younger brother. Myself and my younger brother are at my parents' house um during this quarantine. And my older brother lives on his own, but he came out and he brought his little mask. He's a physical therapist. So he works in the healthcare field and has been working this whole time. And his, uh, his patients have made him little homemade masks for him to wear. So he brought one of his little masks and sat on the opposite end of our deck. And we did like a little cookout to celebrate um, the long weekend and my mom's birthday. So it's crazy how we've all been besides my older brother, we've all been stuck in the same house. But I feel like we've all more or less had our own things that we need to be getting done so we very easily can like spend days just in separate rooms of the house Mm -hmm. (laughs) without really like seeing each other so it was nice the weather was beautiful and we just kind of got together spent some quality family time
0: love that all right we had to take a quick break there so hopefully our audio doesn't sound too different but let's jump into our favorites
1: So mine actually is kind of similar to one that you had in a previous episode, because I also have a favorite seltzer water. Uh, Polar Seltzer has come out with their like summer flavors. They release uh, limited edition or I think more just like seasonal Uh uh, flavors for the summertime. And a staple is the Raspberry Rosé. I'm sipping on one right as we speak. And yeah, it's just it's delicious. I'm a big berry fan. I like berry flavored things. Like if I have the choice, I normally gravitate towards a berry flavored thing. I also love rosé. It's truthfully my wine of choice. So, smush them together in a sparkling water, and I mean, or a seltzer water, and it's like heaven. It really is so refreshing for the summertime.
0: I'll have to try it. And it's like interesting that it's in a. We're facetiming, so I can see. It's interesting that it's in like a tall boy. Well. Is it a tall boy or is it just like a long 12 ounce can? It looks like a
1: normal, it's a long 12 ounce can. So it looks like a White Claw, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) basically. And especially being Raspberry Rosé, I feel like it probably looks like I'm drinking a Spike Seltzer, but she's just water. She's just (laughs) water. But yeah, I highly recommend. They have a bunch. I also got the Blackberry Mango, which I haven't tried yet, but I'm very excited to try. I think that sounds really good. Yeah,
0: that sounds like a fun combo. Yeah um so my favorite this week is um nadine jane astrology so she's mainly on instagram um and she also has a podcast a website and a youtube but i don't think she's been active on the youtube in some time um the youtube (laughs) did i say the youtube i think i just said active on youtube we'll hear it we'll listen back um but yeah, as you might have gathered, she's an astrologer, and I've been trying to learn more about astrology. Um, I'm a Scorpio Sun, Sagittarius Rising, and Leo Moon. If you're interested, um, but she just posts really like aesthetically pleasing. I think she might have like a graphic design degree or something. Um, but she just posts like really cool content on her Instagram. So even if you're not super like well versed in astrology, I think it's still cool to follow, um, and then just get like little bits of knowledge on your feed. So yeah, I'd recommend.
1: Yeah, I think we learned recently that I am a Libra Sun, Pisces Moon, Scorpio Rising. I think.
0: <laughs> I think so. You're definitely a Scorpio Rising. I remember that.
1: Yeah, so um, then I think I'm a Pisces Moon because Pisces was in there. I just couldn't remember if I was a Scorpio Moon or a Pisces
0: mm-hmm. Moon. Yeah. She so you know also has a means. podcast called um, "When Was I Born" or "What Time Was I Born." I think. And so she basically just interviews, like, remarkable people in her life and kind of talks about, like, their life and their accomplishments in the context of their chart. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. Good way to learn more if you're into it. I know a lot of people um, aren't into it. So if you're not, just ignore everything I just said. But if you are, (laughs) if you're interested, check out Nadine Jane Astrology. Hopping into the main episode topic now, like we mentioned, we're going to talk about some mistakes, quote unquote, that we made in college. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I'm excited. Um, Do you want to start with your
0: kind of first mistake? Sure. So I guess the mistakes that we're covering kind of cover a variety of areas, Um, but I wanted to start off by saying my first mistake is not establishing connections with faculty. So I've talked about this before, but throughout my time in undergrad, I really chose to prioritize career-leaning relationships. So I'm basically exiting college with like no very close professor relationships. I am close with some of my advisors and things like that, but um, I just don't really feel like looking at grad school, I don't really feel like I could go to any particular professor asking for a letter of recommendation or anything like that, um, which is a little unfortunate. So if you are in the same mindset as me and you're in school right now, I would say try to like foster a relationship with at least one professor before you leave. Um, just because I think that could kind of come to bite me in the butt down the road. Um, but I'm happy that I focused on the relationships that I did and I think they ended up being really valuable, but just, uh, something to note.
1: Yeah, no, like you said, we have talked about this before. I feel really lucky to say that I wouldn't list this as one of my mistakes. I think I did um, become really close with some professors specifically and faculty in general at my school. And my biggest tip of like advice to solve this or stop yourself from having this mistake really is office hours. I feel like that's the easiest way to establish like a one-on-one rapport with a professor with that being said, obviously, if you're doing well in a class and you don't really have a reason to go to office hours, I'm not saying you should go and, like, pretend that you need help or anything like that for the <laughs> sake of establishing, but just be open-minded to it and, yeah, don't don't rule it out because I think it can be easy to rule it out or be even, like, intimidated by it, but mm-hmm. that's kind of just what worked for me, so. Yeah. Um... So my first mistake, and I think, Anya, you agree with me on this one, but for me, it would be not establishing confidence in myself sooner, and at least in my circumstance, I mean this in, like, all respects. Um, When I entered college, at least at the beginning, I was really unconfident, like, across the board. I just (laughs) had, like, no faith in myself. And I would say academically is where I started to, like, grow my confidence more. And that really comes from, I think, just trying hard and, like, seeing your work, like, pay off, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, But I really struggled, especially, like, freshman year, being confident in myself, like, personally and socially I definitely had an issue where I just kind of believed that like everyone didn't like me like I would meet new people and they could like say straight to my face like I think you're really cool I want to be your friend or whatever it may be and I would just be like they're definitely lying and just like saying that as like a joke to me which makes no sense like no one's gonna come up to you and tell you that they're interested in being your friend your hookup your boyfriend whatever it may be like no one's gonna just tell you that as a lie like that's just not how people work but for whatever reason I was like yeah like there's no way that anyone would ever want anything to do with me because I'm trash
0: and that's not a good way to imposter syndrome at work yeah (laughs) um yeah I agree with this to an extent I think for me it wasn't really a confidence issue so much as like a comfort issue yeah um and I say that mostly in regards to like the social aspect I feel like I met a group of friends freshman year and Um, I went to school with my boyfriend as well. So I kind of like met his friends and I just didn't ever really try super hard to branch out from that group. And like, I feel super lucky that I found that group and that I had that group through college. But I think I definitely missed out on making so many new friends by just like not talking to people at parties. Like I would go to parties and I would just stick with people I came with. I wouldn't really like go up to new people or start conversations with people. Um, So I think it's never too late to keep doing that. And I kind of wish that I had that perspective because, you know, by the time I got to like end of junior year, I'm kind of like, well, I have my friends, like what's the point of making more? Yeah. <laughs> um, And I think I probably missed out on some like cool relationships as a result of that. So yeah, I guess I agree. But for me, I think it wasn't like a confidence issue. It was more just like I got really comfortable with where I was at. Um, And I think I like missed the opportunity to get involved in different groups because of that.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you bring up the fact that, like, coming into school with your boyfriend, because your boyfriend is a year older than us, so mm-hmm. he, like, had that established friend group, at least at Northeastern, for you mm-hmm. to become acquainted with. Whereas for me, I entered college single, and I think anyone who's entered college single knows that, like, it's literally like a Petri dish, like, singles mixer, and you're like, what the heck do I do with <laughs> <laughs> And I think. For me, at least with it being like a confidence issue on my end, I was definitely like, oh my God, like everyone probably thinks I'm like a walking like garbage bag, just like blowing in the wind and they don't know how I got (laughs) here. But that, ladies, is no way to talk about yourself. And I especially think that we entered college at a time where like
0: self-deprecating humor was at an all-time high. Yeah, 2016, man. Toxic energy.
1: (laughs) It really was. And I really latched onto it. And it's gonna sound cliche, but when you talk to yourself in a negative way, you start to feel negatively about yourself. And so I only very recently started like, gassing myself up. And I'm not saying I'm like the most confident person in the world now. But you kind of have to gas yourself up. And my best example, I'll spill a little tea for the sake of the pod. I Um, I was, I was talking to a guy and he just was kind of he was younger, which bonus mistake. Don't waste time never with younger Never talk to,
0: never even don't give a it. younger guy the time of <laughs> day. Come it. on. If you take anything this.
1: away from this episode, no. But I had a moment of weakness, and I did. <laughs> but he just—he's—he's a, he's a boy, and so he didn't know how to how to talk to a woman. It's and we can't blame him for that. But I also don't deserve. So I remember texting my friends and being like, you know what, I'm hot. And I'm smart and I'm cool, and I deserve better than the way that he's treating me, and they were like, "Yeah, you're right, and it feels really good to be like, "Yeah, okay, like it's okay to acknowledge like i you don't need to be cocky or full of yourself, like I don't at all think I'm better than anyone, but I know my worth if that makes sense, and I think i I wish I had that mindset going into college or at least like in that like end of freshman year beginning of sophomore year transition point because it just took me a, personally a long time to to get there
0: I think it's something that people like figure out as they grow into like their adulthood also yeah like I just think everything is so new and uncertain when you're 18 and a freshman and then when you kind of like <laughs> yeah. figure out your place it's easier to have that mindset but that's a good one yeah so branch out uh be
1: confident take people out their word because you'll save yourself a lot of time and self-deprecating jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so my next one is pretty light. Um, it's not a huge deal, but um, I just wanted to bring up buying textbooks that didn't end up mattering for the class. So like I mentioned, it's like not the end of the world, but it's easily avoidable. So um, I think we've all had the experience where we buy like the annoyingly $120 textbook mm-hmm. and then open it like twice during the semester. Um, so I just think waiting, like wait it out, you know, like I know, I understand getting the syllabus a week before the semester and just like really wanting to be proactive and get all the resources in place and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but like you are going to regret it so much (laughs) if you pay, you know, like a hundred bucks for a textbook that you don't end up using. So I think my biggest advice is to wait it out. Rent if you can from like either your school bookstore or Amazon. I've rented so many textbooks from Amazon. So many. Um, And check Rate My Professor. And also if your school has like a specific rating system. I don't know if all schools did this, but my school had like an internal rating system and people would be pretty like open on there about yeah. the like resources provided and stuff. So like students would literally just write like you don't have to buy the textbook <laughs> like candidly in those reviews. So if you have anything like that, I would suggest looking into it. But yeah, just, like, save yourself some some money. See if it's online. A lot of sororities and fraternities will have, like, textbook kind of, like, internal drives or, like, libraries or people will have, like, scanned in previous stuff. So see if you can find it there. Just, like, don't jump the gun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will say I personally had, like, really bad luck with this. I remember, I think, first semester freshman year, you're so, like, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, ready to... You're just so proactive that I bought all my textbooks and it honestly, they weren't too expensive based on like my major. I wasn't buying any major like science textbooks or anything like that. But my second semester, I decided, you know, maybe I'll wait it out and see if I actually need most of these. And it was one of those instances where none of my professors sent the syllabus before the first day of class, which was annoying because you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. But also... Every single one required the textbook and had a reading due for the next qu- class That's that the most week.
0: annoying thing. So I was like scrambling
1: trying to figure out how to get these textbooks to me within like 12 hours so I could do the homework. So I actually ended up just kind of buying in advance my textbooks. With that being said, I was an English major. So one, it was pretty much guaranteed that I was going to use the books. Like I feel like English is one of those majors that you almost can guarantee that you're going to use the books because it's all reading and writing. Uh Um, And because of that, they weren't necessarily that expensive. Like when you're buying actual like fiction books, they're not that expensive. Um, And then online versions of textbooks. I don't know if every school does this, but my school's bookstore offered for some textbooks an online version through a website. It allows you to like take notes in the book Mm -hmm. through the website highlight like mark your page all of that and nine out of ten times it was cheaper than the rent used option and I know with our bookstore they only set aside a certain amount of like rent or used books to rent and -hmm. the rest of them you would have to buy so that kind of takes like the guesswork out of if you're gonna be one of the ones to be able to rent it used or if you're gonna have to buy it used if you're like late to the game
0: I would also say, like, don't don't only go to your school bookstore. Like, I feel yeah. like a lot of freshmen do that and they just are like, oh, it's easy. It's here. Like, I'll just buy it in person right now. But, like, trust me, your school bookstore is probably overpricing them so much. And I guarantee, like, Amazon or something like that would have them for yeah. cheaper. Um, I would And always, a lot of people, sorry.
1: I was just going to say, I would always copy the ISBN number from the bookstore mm-hmm. and put it into Amazon and Chegg. And compare mm-hmm. the prices. And I had a few instances where the bookstore was actually the cheapest price or they were all pretty comparable. And so then the convenience of the bookstore is nice. But yeah, I completely agree. Always cross-reference with Amazon at the very least, Chegg, too, I've also yeah. had success with.
0: And on a closing note, if you're ever in like any kind of like financial difficulty or, for example, like we mentioned, a lot of um, classes will have a reading due when it's like not feasible to have the book yet. I'm pretty sure every school has the textbooks in reserve section of their library. So um, I would look into if your school does that. I know people that just like made it through the entire semester doing that and just using the books, um, the textbooks that were available in the library and just kind of going to the library whenever they knew they had to do a reading. So that's also an option if you don't have hundreds of dollars to drop on textbooks and worth considering, um, which is kind of a good segue into our next point, which is General school resources. Yes.
1: So, I that's one really good resource and something that I really didn't figure out until senior year, probably how valuable the library can really mm-hmm. be. But specifically, so every school, I'm going to assume, I, I don't see why this wouldn't be the case, every school is going to have some sort of like career office. Ours was called like the Career and Internship Development Center. And They offer so many resources specifically to help you get an internship or a job after college. And I feel like a lot of people more or less blow them off, especially if you're looking for a job outside of the area in your school. So for example, I went to school in Worcester. So obviously, they're going to have more resources for jobs in Worcester than they will in, say, Boston. So I feel like it would be easy for someone like me to really brush that off but they I found out again not until my senior year that our center offered like mock interviews I had gotten my resume checked there but they offer you know resume checks cover letter check look cover letter checks personal statement checks like you name it anything for applying to grad school applying for a job they could help you with and I know I between my sophomore and junior year applied for an internship and i went in for the interview and to be completely honest i botched the interview i had no idea what i was doing i missed so many basic things that i just had never learned before and it being my first major interview for an actual like adult internship i just had no idea what i was doing and if i had taken advantage of this center and done like a mock interview say i think i could have learned a lot about the mistakes that i actually did made and possibly Gotten the internship. So, I guess as a sophomore, you're not necessarily thinking about, oh, the career center, like I should be hitting them up. But once you start really applying for internships, you want to reach out to your school's resources because I think they will give you the tools Mm -hmm. and give you the best shot.
0: Yeah. The career center is a good example. I also wanted to talk about like looking at your school calendar because I feel like every school does those like blast emails and it gets to a point where you just kind of like, filter through them and you don't even look anymore but um every school definitely puts on like really cool speaker events and like round tables and like trainings so um if anything on the calendar looks interesting it's like so worth registering for because you are paying to be at a school that provides these things for you Mm -hmm. so like there's no reason to discount them um if they're interesting so I kind of wish that I attended more like speakers and things like that I know it's hard to justify when you're in the swing of things and it's really busy but Um, I think like now that I don't have those resources available for free, it would have been cool to go to more. Um, And then also, yeah, circling back to the library, every library has like so many resources available. Like they would teach like GIS workshops, which is um, geographic information systems, like a pretty useful like mapping tool for my major. And they would do workshops on like Excel and like Um, if you, for example, for my capstone, I needed a book that our library didn't have. And like, we got an interlibrary loan from BC and like, I don't know, I just feel like there's so many things that people don't tend to explore that you can access just by like talking to somebody there. So and I think there's a big learning curve, especially with like
1: finding sources, because when you enter college, you know, your writing and your research and stuff like that is expected to elevate to a bit more of a professional level than what you were uh-huh. necessarily doing in high school and I kind of wish that I had learned how to like properly navigate our database for you know peer reviewed articles how to like what to search to get like the best articles and things like that and your library 9 out of 10 times I think is going to have those resources so why wouldn't you as a freshman just really quickly go up to a librarian or attend one of those workshops and get it sorted out and then for 4 years you know exactly what you're doing and it's smooth sailing whereas I feel like I had to go through the learning curve of trying to figure it out myself and it just kind of wastes your time especially when you said you're paying for those resources like anything on on your campus that they're like oh it's free it's free it's not actually free you're paying for it in your yeah
0: exactly I'll
1: take advantage
0: yeah and I guarantee like those events, in my experience, have, like, so little attendance that, like, mm-hmm. librarians are, like, so thrilled when people show up yeah. and they, like, just really want to help. So yeah. find a local librarian and become oh, yeah. a friend because she'll, she'll be useful to you in the future. I yeah. guarantee it. For sure. Um, the next mistake that we wanted to get into is something that I think pretty much, like, I just feel like I've talked to so many people with the same experience, but it's just choosing a major too early. And it's just like feeling like you have to enter college with a major and that like being undeclared is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really realize that I was choosing a major too early, but I just felt like there was a lot of pressure around me in high school because people would always say like, where are you going? Question number one. What are you majoring in? Question number two. And so I was basically like, oh, all major in political science because I really like AP Gov. And I felt like I like really exceeded in that class, which like, you know... Seventeen-year-old me, like, checks out. That makes sense. I guess that logic makes sense. But I think I just needed to do so much more research on like careers in the field and like understand the implications. And so it ended up fine because I did a combined major with environmental studies, which is like what I'm actually interested in these days. But I'm like fairly positive I will never use the poly sci side of my major to any like extreme extent. So I just think like, don't if you're um, a freshman or like a high school senior, just like don't buy into the pressure of like going in with a major if you aren't entirely sure because it's just like not it's not worth wasting the time and the money on classes that like you might end up switching out of it's okay to like use your beginning of college to like explore different options
1: yeah I completely agree with this I went in so my basic trajectory with my college major was I went in as a double major English and secondary education and then I dropped my education major to a minor just because I had taken the courses and it was worth declaring the minor because I had already completed it. And then I obviously went on the pre-law track and now am going to law school in the fall. But I really, I completely agree when people are asking you where you're going and what you're majoring in, when you answer English, because that's the one that I always knew that I wanted to do. I was like, cool, I'm going to be an English major. But when you answer that, the follow-up question is, well, what are you going to do with that? And you also don't want to say like, oh, I don't know, because now your family's like, we love a starving artist. <laughs> so <laughs> I just like tacked on the education because I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I'll just be a high school English teacher. And I'll be fine. Even though I had really no interest in being a high school English teacher, in my mind, it was like, well, this will allow me to study English. So like, it must uh-huh. be worth it. And then again, I ended up having an education minor out of it. And I talked about it in my law school application. Episode. How that actually like I was told by a law school that that really stood out to them on my application because they don't get a lot of education uh majors or minors applying. So it didn't end up being for nothing, but I could have also easily chosen a minor that interested me more or that I thought would have been useful. Like we have a it's called the cortex minor at assumption that it, a lot of pre law kids end up doing. Um, so yeah, don't let what other people think make your decisions for you. If you really don't know what you're gonna do, go in undecided. If you know what you want to do, but you're or you know what you want to major in, but a little unsure what you're gonna do with that major, still do it because you can always tack on another major, a minor, a concentration where you need to to put yourself more on like a viable career path, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and you also wanted to talk about declaring your minor sooner like you you had regrets around that
1: I did so this was kind of just me being an idiot if i'm going to be honest so i like i said i originally was going to be a double major and then i ended up dropping one of those majors down to a minor and based on just what i had to do to finish up my major with that minor i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to fit a second minor in philosophy out of my schedule, just where like credits lie and stuff like that. Um, but I really liked philosophy. Since we are a Catholic liberal arts school, we were all required to take two philosophy classes, at least two philosophy classes, and I really enjoyed it more than I thought I ever would. So I was more than down to take the philosophy minor, but I actually never officially declared it and did not graduate a philosophy minor. And I did that because, like I said, I wasn't sure and I didn't want to declare it and then have to drop the minor because I wasn't able to finish it. I just figured, like, oh, if I f- do the requirements, I'll just declare it last minute and it'll be fine. Like, what's the difference? But I actually ended up taking a class that didn't count for the minor without knowing it. I thought it mm. counted. And so I took enough credits for the minor, but I didn't take the correct Classes to get those credits, so mm-hmm. I and then and by the time I knew that it was too late, so yeah. I couldn't declare the minor. And if I had declared the minor just as soon as I thought of it, I would have been able to track my progress and seen exactly what classes I should have taken. With that being said, we do have like a course catalog, and I could have and I did look up like the classes you need to take for the minor. I just messed up between registering and looking at that somewhere along the lines something disconnected and I took the wrong class but
0: yeah I don't know if like this is where you were going with it but I feel like it's a good time to point out that in college like it's so important to be accountable for your own path and like yeah I don't know about everybody but like to be honest my academic advisor was basically useless <laughs> so I just feel like entering those meetings like having a list of like the classes that you intend on taking and like asking very straightforward questions of like will this fulfill this like I just think I know so many people that have had like a negative experience with their academic advisor not being clear and even like messing up their graduation or something like that. So it's like I just think it's super important to be really adamant about those meetings and um, just like really aware of your path and like how how to get there.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I agree, especially because I think most schools, at least at my school, your advisor is normally someone in your major or in one of your majors. So like my advisor could answer all of my questions about my English major and knew exactly how that worked. But when it came to my education and the philosophy minor, he had no idea because that's not his department. So it's kind of, yeah, branching outside of my major, I was the one that needed to be accountable for
0: it. And in my defense, I thought I was being accountable for it. But also some schools are definitely stricter than others. But because I was in like sort of a unique program, I was able to like finesse credits in a couple places that I shouldn't have gotten them. So I would say if you're in a situation like that, it's worth trying. I think I maybe like made two or three classes count where they shouldn't have just by like asking um, the department dean or like writing a letter or something like that explaining. Like, for example, my study abroad in Russia actually wasn't supposed to count for a language credit. And then I wouldn't graduate on time. But I just wrote him and I was like, listen, I spoke Russian the whole time. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, that checks out. So I just think like, (laughs) do your best. But if it's, if you're struggling, it's also worth asking like higher ups and kind of like going around your advisor. (laughs) Yeah, because the worst they'll say is no. And then you just
1: figure it out from there. But I agree.
0: So the next mistake that we wanted to talk about, this could seem really obvious. But I think in practice, it kind of can get lost. So just like setting a schedule that doesn't work for you as a person. So my kind of anecdote with this one was I took a night class my first semester of freshman year. And it was when I was studying in Canada. And it was a, I believe it was like 6 to 9pm on Thursdays, which is also sad because, you know, missing thirsty Thursdays when you're (laughs) of legal age in a foreign country is tragic. Um, So there was that, but it was also a French class. And like, Taking a language class at night once a week, like, you can see, yeah, you can see the issues here. Um, And I, I'm not really a morning person, but I'm, like, really not a night person as far as, like, doing work at night. So I just, like, very quickly learned that it wasn't for me. Um, And I think, like, had I put more thought into, like, hmm, what are, like, my circadian rhythms like, I maybe wouldn't have done that. So (laughs) it's not always up to you. And I recognize that, like, a lot of times there's only one section, especially if you're in, like, a smaller major. Um, But I would just say like, do the best you can to like, set yourself up to succeed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. When you can, you need to make sure that you're making a schedule that works for you. And you need to make a schedule that is realistic for you. Um, And I think a big example with this, and it kind of starts to bleed in a little bit to our next point. But I think you and I are very like ambitious people and Mm -hmm. we think that we can like handle a lot on our plates and we definitely can but I know for me personally like I need a guaranteed downtime at some point in my week whether it's you know Saturdays I don't do anything Wednesday nights I don't do anything like whatever it may be like it feels good to me to have that one space of like okay I can actually not worry about stuff during this time and there were definitely moments where I bit off way more than I could chew and didn't afford myself that time and it just it it's never worth it um and like I said this starts to bleed into our next mistake which is not delegating work and always saying yes to Uh commitments um I learned that I'm really really bad like criminally bad at delegating work specifically through I started a lifestyle magazine on our campus so I was acting president. That's at least what we call like the heads of clubs at my school. I don't know if it varies between colleges. And I obviously was my baby. Like it was my little creation. And so I was very protective of it. And I think because of that and because I'm so type A, I like wouldn't delegate work and would just Uh like do it all myself and be like, well, I'm not going to bother anyone else because I'll just do it myself. I won't bother other people. I'll just do it myself. And it's a lot of work. And I was like stressing myself out for no reason until finally, thankfully my vice president was also my roommate. And she was like, Hey, you know, I can help. Right. And I was like, yeah, but like, make sure you do. And she was like, I know how you want it to be done. Like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Go yeah. relax and do, and I'll help you. And just learning like, I don't know. I feel like it's very easy to be like, if I want it done right, I should just do it myself. And I, I, Also, like, in group project situations, like, sometimes that is the best (laughs) route to take. But really examining, like, the situation that you're in and the people that you're working with and trusting. Like, I had no reason not to trust my e-board with the magazine. It was just me being a control freak and stressing myself out for no reason. So once I did start to, like, relax a little bit and trust them and give them the work, it made the job ten times easier.
0: Yeah. I... I kind of had a reality check in a similar way um, when I was vice president of my sorority because the way that was structured with us was that I oversaw our general board, which was 20 positions. I realized that, like, number one, it's insane to try to manage 20 people's jobs. Um, and then also, you are cheating them out of an opportunity by doing their work for them. So like, for example, if someone runs for a position, they get the position, they're really excited to do something with it. And like, let's say they're underperforming because you know, maybe they're having a family issue or just like struggling in their classes or something like that. If you say, no, never mind, I'll just do it myself in any sort of leadership context. Like you're effectively removing the opportunity for them to redeem themselves and like have a valuable experience out of that position. And you know, like if they get asked on like an interview or something like, oh, I see you had this general board position. Can you tell me about it? And like, if they don't have anything to say because you just took on all their work for them, that Mm -hmm. doesn't benefit literally anybody. So I think that was, like, my biggest kind of, like, realization when it comes to delegating is that, like, it is to others' benefit also that you give them work to do so that they can, like, prove themselves and grow and, like, elevate into, like, the higher leadership positions that they want to be in someday. Um, So, yeah, but I think I got to a point when I was vice president, spring 2019, man, really was a rock bottom (laughs) um, because I was just doing so much that I was doing everything poorly, or at least that's how I felt. So like I was doing co-op interviews, I was vice president, I was choreographing for the dance company, I was in classes. And so I felt like while it's really good to be ambitious, and that's like a great personality trait to have if you're that type of person, it's bad to be so ambitious that you're self sabotaging, like, not only the effectiveness that you approach all your work, but also like your mental state.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I had a very similar semester, fall 2019. Um, where I was working two jobs, an internship, I started the magazine, I was involved in like two or three other clubs just as a member. And I was doing a fellowship with a program that I had been involved in since sophomore year. And that ironically, was also the semester that I got mono. And I like to joke that no one gave me mono, I gave mono to myself because I was working too hard that like I Mm -hmm. needed a sign to slow down. I know that's not how mono works as a quick disclaimer, (laughs) but (laughs) don't share your drinks, kids. Um, But yeah, so I think, you know, it's really good to be ambitious. And I understand the allure of, you know, wanting like your resume to look good. Like for me, that was the semester I was applying to law school. So I was like, I need to be involved in as much as I possibly can to really beef up my resume and make it look like I, you know, could wear 17 different hats at one time. But I was honestly pretty miserable the whole time even before I got sick because I just had no time to myself so yeah don't self-sabotage especially first semester senior year
0: don't do that to yourself yeah I just like the feeling of knowing that you're being stretched too thin is like the worst feeling and just like knowing that like you're not being your the best version of yourself in any of those categories because you have to like um attend to so many of them is like Mm -hmm. I think it's a lesson that like everyone has at some point but if you can just kind of like try to take things on gradually and like really try to visualize how things are going to look with your schedule before you say yes. And like, know that it's fine to say no, whether that be in like a social setting, if you really need a night in or something like that, or to like, you know, some extra optional project in like a club that you're in, like putting yourself first is not a crime and Mm -hmm. you'll be better off if you're allocating your energy in a feasible way as opposed to like just trying to make a million things work and having them all not work well in the end. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't agree more. I feel like that's just like a good um, summary of like both of our college experiences. Like (laughs) just realizing that like trying to do too much is just like not worth it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And at the end of the day, we both got to where we wanted to be. And we really didn't have to, you know, kill ourselves over it. I guess that's not a great analogy to use. But you know what I mean? Like, you never have to spread yourself too thin in order to get what you want. It's always better to do a few things really, really well than do a bunch of things poorly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so this is, I think, our last mistake. Wow, I feel like that went pretty fast. Um, but this is about open-mindedness. And I feel like I'm a pretty open-minded person in general. But I wanted to talk about this specifically in the lens of Greek life for myself. So... Um, I mentioned that I joined a sorority as a sophomore. So I already knew people. My boyfriend Grant was already in Greek life, and I kind of came in with like a preconceived notion of the chapters that I might end up in. And I feel like that's just kind of like an unavoidable thing if you are rushing as a sophomore. It's just really hard to not know kind of how things are and kind of, you know, have not done that research, which is so unfortunate because I think by not being open minded, I discounted some really great conversations with other girls because of some BS that I read on Greek rank, which if you are still reading Greek rank, like as a like former (laughs) Panhellenic member, I can assure you all of that stuff is just like such bullshit, (laughs) explicit content, I guess. But like, (laughs) it's just not true. And like everyone on there is just like such a troll. So it's so not worth like looking into those sources. Um, And I think like, Just trying to enter recruitment open minded is the best thing you can do. And I think it's very likely that I would have ended up in the same chapter that I did, regardless, because I did vibe so strongly with all of those girls. But, you know, I think there were chapters that I also vibed with that I put like pretty low the first night just because I was like, I don't know anyone in it, you know? And like, what's the problem? Like, that would be great. I could meet even more people. So, just something that I wanted to bring up. It doesn't even have to apply specifically. Greek life because I know Kylie you kind of had like an anecdote as far as open-mindedness that you wanted to share but
1: yeah no so obviously I didn't um rush because my school didn't have Greek life but I agree that when you're entering into at least a new social situation the best mindset to have is to be open-minded um so for me my anecdote kind of more so stems from beginning of freshman year I basically I went to school with a good friend of mine from high school So we were both going to the same school and we kind of, you know, introduced our um, like friends to one another that we were making through, you know, Facebook groups and things like that. And basically, I when you're 18 entering college, like you're very impressionable to like the immediate people that like you almost conveniently find yourself hanging out with, if that makes sense. And then that group just like automatically stems what you think of other people and so because of like the convenience of a friend group that I was in I thought that I hated (laughs) a girl that I actually ended up becoming really great friends with throughout college like she's one of my best friends now from Assumption and so I guess always be open-minded and don't let other people's opinions of people deter you from Reaching out. With that being said, if someone's like that person is like a literal psychopath
0: and like tried to run (laughs) over with their car, yeah, like here's all the reasons they threatened my family. Like, yeah, but
1: (laughs) nine out of ten times, when like you're 18 years old, like it's probably for petty reasons that are literally Mm -hmm. between them, and there's no reason for you to like inherit that opinion of the person. But in the same breath, I think it's also important to realize that like you're not going to be best friends. With everyone that you meet. And I think again, that like immediate, like the first people that I considered friends at my school, some of them are in fact still my friends. Some of them I've kind of outgrown and it's for no reason, like nothing bad happened. There's no bad blood, but we just didn't vibe as much as Uh I did with like other people. So it's okay to not be best friends with everyone that you meet. It's okay to outgrow people or feel like you're just on a different page than someone and you know decide not to hang out with them as much or be their friend or however you want to put it that's totally okay too as long as you approach the situation with an open mind and just handle it all in a mature way like there's never any reason at least that I've been given to be outright like mean or dismissive of anyone um you can always be civil but you know be realistic and check in with yourself about the people that you have in your life and make sure that like they're supporting you, they're making you happy. And if they aren't, then be open-minded. Start to meet new people. Find the people that you're vibing with. Because that's what college is really all about. In my opinion, is not only growing and learning about yourself, but also really establishing a support system, both professionally and academically. But personally with the friends that you meet I think there's like a cliche that like you meet your best friends
0: it's not for years it's for life (laughs) (laughs) um something that I wanted to say in this similar vein is um I don't know about other chapters but my chapter always said this during recruitment is just like forget high school like people are so different in college and like Mm -hmm. everyone is so dumb in high school everyone makes like dumb mistakes and like things are so petty and rumors get spread and it's just like so unfair to hear something about someone in high school and meet them in college and like put those assumptions on them because like they're very well like several years older and like could be an entirely different person as many people have that experience through college so if you ever like if you're a freshman and you hear rumors about someone else in your class or something like that and it's from high school it's probably not true or it's super blown out of proportion so just like don't let high school rumors or just like rumors in general affect the way you interact with people or like the organizations you choose to be a part of just because like it's literally like 99% of the time not true.
1: (laughs) Yeah I was gonna say even like I would extend from high school even freshman year because when you're freshman year you're still 18 it's your first time away from home like everyone does stupid things when they're Mm -hmm. a freshman and I met people towards the end of my college experience that I had heard stuff about from freshman year and they're some of the nicest people that I've met and if I had just gone off of whatever crazy rumor was spread about them whether it's true or not like I would have probably been like I don't want to be friends with that type of person and I would have missed out on a really great person just because they do something stupid or I don't know disagreeable freshman year, like you change so much from freshman year to senior year. Yeah. I'm nowhere near the same person as I was freshman year. And I wouldn't want someone today to judge me based on my actions from four years ago.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like being a Scorpio, <laughs> um, it's <laughs> really natural of me to hold grudges. Like it's something that I really don't like about myself. Like I will literally hear like one negative thing or like I don't know. So one of my friends will like complain once about her significant other or whatever. And I'll be like, Oh my God, canceled. Like, I just, (laughs) I really am so stubborn when it comes to things like that. But it's something that I've really been working on. And I feel like this is a good example of like a category where it's so necessary, because exactly like you said, like, I wouldn't want someone to look at me in Canada, 18 years old and be like, Oh, yeah, that's Anya. That's what she's like, because, you know, 22 year old me, Has had like so many experiences and grown so much. So just like don't let, like, closing statement (laughs) don't let preconceived (laughs) notions or rumors or grudges prevent you from growing with people. And it just, that just ain't it, you know?
1: No, it ain't it. Grudges ain't it. Uh, Holding things against someone ain't it. Again, unless, obviously, assess the severity of the situation. Yeah. (laughs) But. (laughs) Yeah, 9 out of 10 times it's just not worth it to hold the grudge and you're missing
0: out on a on a rad friend. Indeed. All right. So I think those are those aren't definitely aren't all the mistakes that we made in college <laughs> yeah. like we were kind of debating like what like level of mistake do we want to go with for for this and I'm sure we have like a lot of funny stories that we could also rephrase into mistakes and things like that but we just thought mm-hmm. these were the most helpful and like actionable advice we could give yeah
1: i completely agree i would say as like a closing statement just you know always always like forgive yourself like your college is a learning time it's a uh what's the term a learning curve in your life that's like what it's meant to be so just Mm -hmm. take it year by year and you know hopefully these will help some of the mistakes but yeah just Enjoy your time. Try not to make too many mistakes or stupid decisions, but we're all in the same boat. We're all doing it.
0: No regrets. No regrets. Like that guy from that movie, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. We would love yes. if you could give us a rating on iTunes and follow our Instagram and send in your suggestions if you have any. Yes but all right we'll see we'll,
1: we won't see you guys but I, we always do
0: that literally I every know. time <laughs> but you guys
1: will hear us in our next episode
0: all right i'm like i feel like that tiktok i'm like take it easy all right take it easy <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay bye guys
1: bye guys